like this, though. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? The closed-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and nobody want to hear it, but it's like this the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Welcome back to another episode of Run That Back with Sin and Donna. My name is Donna Canella. And my name is Sinclair. And welcome back to another episode. We are so excited for y'all to be here today. Time is moving by fast. January is almost over. Crazy. And so much has happened already. It's wild. It's really wild. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically like this. How I'm feeling is this is just a continuation of 2020. Like 2021 doesn't actually begin until inauguration day. That's how I feel. Mm. You really think that's going to change, though, with this new... I am very optimistic, yes. You know, I don't want to say that I truly 100% believe, like, oh, everything, Joe Biden's going to change everything. I, I just feel like we, that right now, things are looking like they're in our favor. And so I'm feeling optimistic. But I will say that at this moment, it won't be a new year. Let's say February 1st is actually our new year. Because I feel like us making January... You know, the the time to have everything together and signify a new year. I feel like if shit is popping off in December, that shit is going to roll over into January and shit going to change. I think we need a grace period. So let's make February 1st actually uh, uh, the new period. year. Yeah, we- <laughs> period. yeah I, I believe I, I feel you on that. Like, I don't, you know, well, I, you know, I don't want to wish... 20 like 2021 to be anything like 2020 because 2020 was one hell of a year so i want 21 to be better but it does feel like we have brought a lot of the bull crap from 2020 into 21 so i'm really hoping that changes i really hope like you said it is just a grace period because (laughs) i definitely hope that this year gets better and that they get this pandemic under control, which it needs to be under control, which we're going to get into a little later. And, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah, it's moving. It's moving. It's already almost February, which concerns me because it's almost already March and that's my birthday. And my birthday just gives me a lot of anxiety. Like I hate birthdays so much. Why? I hate them. I hate them with a passion. Like, really? Why does it? I, why do you hate birthdays? I, no, I don't hate birthdays. I hate my birthday. Why do you hate your birthday? Though? Because I had a really traumatizing experience as a kid with like parties. So I don't like throwing parties. I don't like thinking about it. Like, it makes me just like just I don't want to do this like I don't I don't trust people to show up like what if I'm just sitting yeah. there just the birthday girl with the hat on and a cake and nobody's there and my mom's you know okay. I've never had a party for my birthday really I've, nev- I- I've yeah I've never in my life had a oh actually no that's a lie I had a birthday party when I was maybe like four or five I do remember but I have not had a birthday party I can say uh, since the age of six. So something. what would like, you do like on your 10th birthday, on your 15th birthday? What did you do? Actually for my 10th birthday, mm-hmm. my mom picked me up from school. Actually, I didn't even go to school that day. My mom, she didn't make me go to school that day. And I got all dressed up and cute. And we went to a nice restaurant, uh, you know, where you do like fondue and stuff. And we were Aww. cooking meat at the restaurant. And then we went shopping and we hung out and we had a fun day and that's what I did for my 10th birthday. Um, when I turned 13, I had like a little slumber party at a hotel. So see, that's still was, a party though. People still oh, showed up. Well, see, well, see, that's the thing. I don't, when I think of party, I think of like an actual party. Like people come, y'all dance, have a good time and you leave. Like a sleepover or a slumber party or something like that isn't considered a party to me. What? Okay. Because it's like, because you know, it's just you and your close friends. It was like me, literally me and like five friends in this okay. hotel just hanging out. Yeah. Well, so I used to have slumber parties all the time. I mean, it didn't really have to be my birthday, but I did have yeah. some birthdays where I had a slumber party with like close friends. Like my mom would give me that option. Like I remember having parties at parks, having a pinata. All oh that. yeah, I've yeah I've never done that. I've never had what? an actual like 
party for my birthday. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So when my mom was doing it, you know, I was young, so it was fine and dandy. Once mm-hmm. I started getting a little older, well, I really just had this one traumatic experience. It didn't. It wasn't my actual birthdays, but forever since then, I've hated putting on parties. Like really? in my birthday, like I feel like birthdays are so like as we get gotten older they feel so important like this is some of the only times that you really travel this is some some of the only times that you really kind of you know spend some money for a day like other days are just like whatever but i feel like we look at well i look forward to some of my friends birthdays because i know that i'm going to travel out the country and i know that mm-hmm. i'm going to do stuff and do fun stuff so mm-hmm. like now that i'm getting older i feel even more stressed like as a teenager I didn't care because I was like, fuck parties. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, fuck all that. You know, I'm just hang out with my friends. So it wasn't a big right. deal. But now that I got a little money and I feel like, man, I should be doing something. Like last year, I tried to cop out because I was like, I'm just going to have a small party in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I'm just inviting three people, two, three people that I know are going to show up for good. And I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This year, I, I'm not going to travel again, even though I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, damn it, do I have a party? Do I do nothing? I don't want to do nothing. So now I'm just like, all this anxiety I have building up, like, what the fuck do I do? I want to throw a party. Like, I haven't had a real party in so long, but I'm afraid, like, what if nobody shows up? Because I think people are flaky. Like, there are only a few people in my close circle where I'm like, I know you have my back. Oh, but that's even sadder if some if one person just yeah. show up to your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Two people just show up to your party. Oh. Like, I just don't trust people, man. Like, maybe that's something I have to get over. But I just don't yeah. trust people to have my back to, like, come and support. Yeah. I, I mean, know. you know, well, here's the thing. Number one, I don't know if you should have a party if we're still in a whole ass pandemic. That's true. Uh, but, but number two, you know, if things do seem to be eased up or or you know or if you just feel comfortable throwing a party like a socially distanced party outside of something people might show up but either way it goes like you know you are in a new city and you Mm. i don't know if you know like a whole bunch of people there but Mm. i feel like people would still show up i feel like people would show up i know i know people would show up it just feels like i don't know it just feels like it wouldn't like you can talk all the common like common sense to me like people will show up your friends are there i still feel like no they won't like it's something internal where it's just like i just hate it i hate planning for it it just yeah but i also feel i feel like too that maybe one of the reasons why i've never like thought birthdays were a huge deal even Mm -hmm. when i got older is because like how i live i pretty much live like every day is my birthday like you know what i'm saying like you know how people you know like people do big stuff on their birthdays Mm -hmm. but you know but i be doing shit all year so it's like when my birthday come around i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily feel the need to just go all out you know because it's like i just did something but i will say though for my 25th birthday Mm -hmm. uh i took a solo trip to australia yeah see yeah i remember that but see that's Uh fun that's lively but that's different you went on an adventure and see i'm trying to go to new york for my birthday really and Uh i'm trying to just kind of cover it up with that like i won't have to think about it if i go up there and be with my mom and little brother then i won't have to think about i'm turning 26 hosting a party none of that i just get past all of that you know the (laughs) opt-out button but i mean i don't know i mean i feel like it would be so easy for you to throw a party in dallas Already, yeah. it probably would but it just it just like i said i just don't trust people yeah to show up and be there for me i just don't and i know people would yeah. and i know some people will probably listen and be like girl what do you mean like i showed up to your party whenever right like, right, still. right it just i don't know i've had this feeling since i was a young child so it's yeah. never probably gonna go away even yeah. if i have well, I mean, ten thousand people show up <laughs> right well you know what well go with your gut instinct go with yeah. your gut instinct when your birthday comes up anyway besides my hatred of my birthday how have you been uh, man i have been good work has been crazy busy and insane mm-hmm. um so i'm just trying to find the balance because it mm-hmm. seems like you know it seems like i'm just feeling a little bit like it's a 24 hour job and it's just like i've never experienced that before having to take work home with me mm-hmm. so you know just trying to find the balance and, and things of that nature but nothing really man working and yeah damn mm-hmm. that sucks like it sucks that you feel that way about you yeah. know 
your job but I feel like it's a good experience like you know moving forward like what you will and what you will not put up with oh it's no it's an awesome experience and I must say it's an exciting job and I love it Mm -hmm. it's just a lot more uh time consuming than I was anticipating yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. that's fair Mm -hmm. yeah I I love like you know growing and figuring out shit because yeah my last job I hated it I just hated the environment that my manager created she was a nuisance she was a fucking terrorist and I think she was a fucking racist um but yeah she was awful towards me and it got to a point where like it started physically affecting me like oh I hated being there but then the pandemic came and then eventually I was laid off and all of that jazz and honestly it was probably the best thing (laughs) because I like all my physical ailments went away. Like I felt so much better. Like I wasn't as like unhappy and just like mm-hmm. things just started to clear up and come back and just, just all this stuff happened. And I'm just like, man, I will never ever be in another job that I hate. Like yeah. that was a learning experience. Like I was there because I needed the check. I needed to pay my rent, right. but I will never do that to myself again. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Speaking of jobs, though, how are you? Didn't you get a new job? I did. I am now going to be working at a news station. So, you know, things are moving in the right trajectory. Yes. I'll say right. So <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for this year. Honestly, I am because 2020 was a lot and I wouldn't take it back. Like it was a lot, but I wouldn't take it back because I learned so much and I grew so much and grew in places that I didn't expect to grow. So like, I want to see, like, I'm curious to know how this newfound growth is going to appear in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm excited too. Like, yeah, I'm intrigued to know how you, how you progress and, you know, check off the things that you've been checking, especially since you're moving towards that way. Yeah, really I'm excited for the see. both of us. I'm excited oh, to yeah. see what what new nursing job you gonna get. Get, girl, get out girl, I'm a, I'm excited to see what DJ teacher I'm about to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm like I'm stacking up my paper so I can really hit the ground running and be able to sustain myself while I'm going through this learning process and mm-hmm. you know and really putting forth the effort in this podcast and. So yeah, so I um I'm making some sacrifices right now, mm-hmm. uh, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you know that I get to reap the benefits of these sacrifices, so I can put work towards my my interests and my passion. So it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a good year. I think it's gonna be a good year. Yeah, twenty was rough, but it was a good year because in the end we made it to we made it to you know to say how 2020 was bad like we're still alive right. and well yeah. so yeah yeah but yeah. speaking of uh not being well the covid cases are rising Tough. and <laughs> i mean they are on a rise rise especially here in texas because the government here our little Texas government does not give a rat's ass. Baby, here in Atlanta, they don't give a rat's ass. I mean, and here, I mean, in the Atlanta like metro region, I believe the last time I saw, we were at uh, almost eighty-eight percent ICU capacity, Dang. and at and at one of um in the state of Georgia is at almost ninety-three percent ICU capacity. Yeah, so it's just it's really bad out here. I don't think people are understanding that we're in a whole third wave. Either they don't understand or they just really don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't. I, I think and, people just don't give a fuck, and money yeah. rules the world. So. Yeah, and and I'm starting to really feel like people don't give a fuck because this video, this viral video of Bow Wow having a packed out club with no mask in sight in Houston <laughs> is just like, what the fuck? Yeah. No. Yeah. People don't care, especially here in Texas. Like, I feel like un- until they enforce rules, people are going to go make their money. Like, people are right. not just going to let money fall by the wayside and. Right. With everything else being closed, with the West Coast being closed, with the East Coast being closed, celebrities are taking it upon themselves to come down here down on south. this little chitlin circuit and get in where they can fit in because they know niggas is outside. So right, honestly, right. like I, bl- I don't even blame people that are going outside because you, you can't tell me that 
I mean, even like who's gonna go see Bow Wow? Like, come on, guys, let's be honest. No, like, niggas went out to see Bow, Bow Wow. I mean, I like you know Bow Wow from two thousand and five, but come on, man. Well, right, probably even two thousand three. But come on, like <laughs> you're what? sacrificing your damn respiratory a respiratory uh, infection and all types of other complications. You try you sacrificing your life for COVID with COVID in the air to go see goddamn Bow Wow. Y'all yeah. niggas, not only do y'all not give a fuck, but y'all must clearly be bored. Yeah, like, you sacrificing yourself to go sing Let Me Hold You. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? What What's happening? <laughs> but, but like I said, like, people are gonna, people are bored. Like, and you can't tell me if entertainment is coming down here, people are gonna be like, mm, no, I'm not going to go because of COVID. No, they're going to go outside. Yeah. Like, it is yeah. up to these officials to put people to in put check. To put things in place. It is. Because pe- people are not. And people are money hungry. Like, a lot of niggas have lost their jobs. A lot of people it, just yeah. are out here hustling. So, if, it ain't gonna, yeah. if, if it's not going to shut down, they're not going to stop. Because here in Dallas, over this weekend, we had, uh, man, I forget the... I didn't. I never even looked him up. Some rapper by the name Blue something. He's a rapper. He was here Wednesday. Um, Pooh Shiesty came here. I think on Thursday. Key Glock was here Friday. City Girls was here Saturday, and Young Dolph was here on Sunday. So crazy. It was a packed out weekend here in Dallas. Memphis took over. So it ain't stopping. <laughs> It's not stopping until until somebody does something. And then I learned that Dallas, I get um, like news alerts from the newspaper here, like the Dallas Morning News or whatever. And uh, they said that we got our first confirmed case of the newest, the latest strand of COVID. So shit is really about to hit the fan. I mean, it's been hitting the fan, but we about to blow the roof off this motherfucker. <laughs> so... The God, we about, yeah, it's about to get crazy. I mean, my only hope is, is that people can see how, how bad 2020 was and these government officials can see how bad 2020 was and hopefully not make the same mistake in a new year. Things are getting bad. Let's shut it the fuck down. I just don't, I, I mean, we have seen how these government officials will look, overlook something like it never happened and will mm-hmm. not use their God-given common sense to do the right thing. They're just not going to do it. So I don't believe, like, I just don't believe much is going to change unless our new president is an actual enforcer. Other than that, Absolutely. if he's going to be, if he's going to be bribed and act dim-witted and childlike like Trump, ain't shit going to change. But um, sure. let's get into these runbacks that we have, uh, accumulated this week so i wanted to really stay on the the topic of government officials we don't got to stay on it too long because you know government and all that's politics get boring but over the weekend i watched atlanta's missing children now as a new resident of atlanta have you heard about this like did you know about that i literally didn't yeah i literally didn't know about it um the uh i just looked into it when you told me about it and Mm. Uh, apparently Keisha Lance Bottoms decided decided to reopen the cases of these uh, of the Atlanta missing children. So I'm very intrigued to watch the documentary because I literally had no idea about it. Um, yeah. But what did you find interesting about it? What, what did you what did you you know? Come yeah, about? so I had learned about these missing children when I listened to this podcast a while mm-hmm. back, and this was probably like top of last year. And the podcast was comparing how the Atlanta artists at that time were being affected by these missing children and how they talked about it in their raps, specifically like Outkast and stuff like that. So that was the first time I had ever heard about these missing children. Mm -hmm. And I learned about the documentary and I put it off because I was like, when I watch stuff like this, it just adds to the fire about how I feel when it comes to black people in America and how we're treated and how we're dismissed and how white people purposefully look over things because of our race and how frustrating that is because what the fuck, you know, like just literally what the fuck, like what the fuck is wrong with you people that you're so sick of the mind that you think something that we can't control like the color of our skin makes us 
so different. Like it just, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling how ignorant and ridiculous these people are. It's, it is especially mind boggling, but the thing about it is, and I've learned, and I learned this from a very young age is that when black bodies are being harmed, no one cares. Oh yeah. 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 So, Um, I mean, who wants to watch that? So yeah, I was putting this shit off for the longest, like some things I just, I refuse to watch. Like I'm never watching that, uh, the one show by Ava, 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 Ava Duvall. Yeah, I'm never watching that shit. Hell no. I'm never never watching it either. I'm never watching it. Yeah. And it's not because of her art or who she is. I just don't want to see that story. I really just, that type of stuff makes me angry. It makes me dislike white people. Like, I just don't want to. You know, it makes me feel like, ugh, I want to go rip something down. And obviously, you know, not all white people are like that. But it's like your ancestors, bro, was out here wilding, and now you reaping the benefits. So, mm, see, mm. for for me, for me, it's not even about like you know, I I when I watch stuff like that, I don't get angry at white people. It it just I do. I can feel and empathize with of course, black people, you know, so easily. I mean, I feel like most of us are like that. And when we see a black person or we see the depiction of a black person getting hurt or something Mm -hmm. because of their skin and watching our lives being taken away from us, not just through killing, but through this mass incarceration system, Mm -hmm. it's traumatizing for me. And it it, it can affect my mood for days. Yeah, you yeah, know, and that's how I feel. And for like me, it, it's anger. Like I felt anger, yeah. and I also feel helpless. And I don't want right, to feel helpless. Right? That's Who wants to feel is. helpless? Like that's it's like we is. can't control this. And mm-hmm. as much as you want to change it, there's so many things, so many blockades, and so many stupid people blocking us from just living our lives. Like, yep. but going back to Atlanta missing children. So in the early 70s and like well I think it happened throughout the 70s and a little part of the 80s um these children went missing and their bodies would be found and they would be killed and just it was terrible and so the black residents and they were all black mm-hmm. so obviously black Atlanta's miserable so right you have this killer out on the, on the loose snatching babies out of their homes like literally opening up windows snatching children out of their beds and nobody was doing anything about it like it ended up being like 30 or 29 or 30 something children or just children to young adults killed murdered and nobody knew who it was and so this documentary like walks you through the context of what was going on so you had this new black mayor and if you've ever been to georgia outside of atlanta Georgia's a racist fucking state. Like, people forget, right. just because it's Atlanta, don't get misconstrued that y'all ass ain't in the South. Right, so, exactly. They go into that context, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but they go into that and this new mayor and what Atlanta was, how Atlanta was moving forward, and Atlanta was now this newfound city that had money. Like, Atlanta's always been a city with money, going back mm-hmm. to dating back to slavery. But now they are reinventing, reinventing themselves, and they want to keep that status. So right. they're not really wanting to get too deep into this. But you have to because now you have all these children missing. What the hell is going on here? So it goes into that, and... It goes into the guy that they charged for the murder, but a lot of people in the black community don't feel like he was the guy that did it. And yeah. so now they have all they this... Just want, they just wanted to find somebody to pin it on so people could be done talking about it. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. And so they had some guys that they thought were in on it, and they had some other suspects. So, so in conclusion, you have a few pedophiles that could have been... Um, could have been the perps like they think there were multiple killers it wasn't just one like it wasn't just this one guy killing all these people like you had a few instances where we think they think it was some pedophiles that did some stuff and then for the majority of the cases they think the Ku Klux Klan were the killers and the Georgia police um were doing a private investigation on the KKK Mm -hmm. and some of the officers redacted the information that they found and was like, well, we don't have any evidence. Well, of course, because you destroyed it. Like one officer right. told, to, uh, he, uh, man, it's just, 
it's so hard for me to explain it without getting like hype because it's just so fucking ridiculous. So you have this one officer talking to a Ku Klux Klan member and in his own words, the officer's like, yeah, I don't think that he did it. So I deleted the evidence or I destroyed the evidence. And it's like, well, what? why would you destroy it then? Right. He was like, because I don't think he did it. So it's literally white people covering white people's asses because they wanted to prevent a race war. Yeah. Like what the fuck? That's crazy. That's insane. And what and what came about of these police officers who were tampering with evidence? They nothing. I mean, nothing. That's insane. Nothing. It's white people covering another white people's asses, ruining a case, t- tampering and getting rid of evidence, and nothing happened to your ass. Yeah, white, I mean, white supremacy is it's something else. So that's why I'm just like, man, like y'all want us to believe in this system when the system only works for certain people right. and white people just get their hand slapped. Like it's nothing like all those people that ran up on the Capitol. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of them are getting out of jail. What the hell? No, beat their asses. Yes. <laughs> you put these, lock these terrorists up and put them under the ground. Like we don't need right. these people walking around free. Right. But of course that's not going to happen. So girl, I was hyped watching that shit. Like I was like, what the hell? What the hell? Cause I knew what to expect. Like, I had a little context, but I didn't know all of it. Like, all the stuff that I had found out. It was just like, wow. Like, like, and we know this information. And now they're wanting to reopen the cases. But if evidence is deleted, what the hell? And y'all don't really right. want right. to... Right, going to pull information from? Right, and y'all really don't want to pull the right information. Y'all don't really want to look into the right people. What's the point? That's insane. Oh, and then I, one thing, one thing. Oh, God, I have to say this, though. One thing that they had charged, the dude that's in jail for it now, I think his name is uh, Willie. Will, uh, shit, what's his name? No, uh, no. I think Wayne Williams, I think. Uh-huh. They, the only reason they got him is because of this fiber evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Coming to find out, the FBI office that processed the fiber evidence had a vent that was circulating like bad air come to find out all the evidence from like 70 to like 85 90 percent of the evidence that they processed in this one room got tampered and all of it was like 95 percent of it was destroyed like it was messed up right i was gonna say how are you gonna convict a person on tampered evidence like evidence that was gonna be wrong from the get-go fucking wild and that's and that's what i'm saying now only should y'all relook into his conviction, but mm. everybody's conviction who whose stuff got processed in their room during that time. Like, what the fuck? Our justice system is trash. It's so fucked up, and they and like they won't let this man free because they just need somebody in jail. Like, they need somebody to take the place of to take the fall to take the fall. Because if not, then it's just like, well, who who killed these? Like, we don't know. It's yeah. wild stuff. And it's just like, man, like that's the life of black folks or that could be the life of black folks. And that's the type of fear we have to live in. Like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So my Every mind was day. blown. I'm going to definitely have to watch that though. Yeah. Watch that shit and let me know. And y'all out there, y'all watch that stuff too. Yeah. Cause like we don't hear, like we don't learn about this type of stuff. Like 30, like just imagine 30 white kids going missing. You know how much we would hear about that oh, all oh, the time. Oh, and speaking of extra crazy, I'm pissed. Insecure last season is upon us. And I don't like this shit. You know, here's the thing. I'm glad that Insecure is coming to a close. I love how dare when... You? How dare you? <laughs> no, let me tell you. I love when shows know when to end. Like, don't drag that shit on because then mm. it's not entertaining. And I feel like some shows do that. They take a storyline or multiple storylines and they drag it and drag mm. it. And they just beat this dead horse until it's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, let's come to a closure. Like, like stories need an ending. Yeah. No, I agree saying? with you. And but I'm just like, uh, I need some more, though. Can we at least get two seasons with hour-long episodes? That's all. <laughs> you know? Or you know what? Give us this last season. Give us an hour-long episode. You are so funny. Issa Rae already said she ain't doing no damn hour-long episodes. I'm yeah. glad Insecure is coming to a close because it's like, I feel like last season <clears throat> showed like, you know, the changes and the evolution of the relationships between Molly and 
damn and what's uh what, what's her nigga name uh lawrence and lawrence yeah mm-hmm. and now like we're gonna now that those um evolving relationships are gonna get some closure yeah, and, and we can and we can be done with this. Yeah, I mean I understand it, but I'm just like, yeah. I love that show so much. I just don't want it to end. Like this is just me speaking as a fan. Like obviously I wouldn't want them to drag it on, and mm-hmm. I'm not asking for like ten seasons, but and I understand the whole comedic part, but nah, it ain't enough. I'm not. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I just because just because they gave us a little piece of the pie, I should be grateful. Hell no, nigga, I want more. <laughs> No, Not just uh-uh. a little piece. Give me a uh-uh. whole slice. I'm gonna be honest with you. I love Insecure too, but I'm I'm happy with the leaving. And I know that whatever Issa Rae comes out with next is gonna be better. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for more content from Issa Rae. Yeah, I just don't want there to be. We had this show. We had this great show, and then we have nothing. Like you know, <laughs> we don't have any. And I'm not even just talking necessarily from Issa Rae. I'm just talking about we are left empty in this one category like we don't have any young black entertainment like like how right. we had in the 90s and the early 2000s like it's missing right. again insecure yeah. honestly carried us for a, a while giving us that young college educated black entertainment like a lot of shit like either with selling drugs in shows <laughs> or like like it just like we get in the ghetto like there is no right. like we had no just out here living life, two-parent household, went to college type shit. Like, I got a good job, and this is the drama that my life has in it. Like, we don't yeah. even have that. Like, Yeah, that's true. Insecure was our only, like, yeah, because, like, in the 90s, early 2000s, I mean, you had a different world. You had living single. Mm-hmm. What else did you have? You had, you had uh, uh, oh, you had Eve in early 2000s. That you had... You had uh, Martin All Lawrence, yeah, you had you, you just had a variety. Right. You had uh, Moesha. You had yeah. Sure, you just had so much variety that we don't really have that variety That's here. So it's true. either like extreme or you ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. What like? I mean, we had Blackish kind of. Yeah, but honestly, but, I think Blackish was for white people. Yeah, it was, and it was more for families. Like, like yeah. we didn't have no shows. Like for the millennial, for like the twenty somethings, yeah, uh, for the twenty somethings black people. I think Insecure was really that only show. I mean, I know niggas was watching Empire and Power, but like, but, but that's like another really, extreme. Like, yeah, but you're that's either, another extreme, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you either selling drugs or you're at the top of a music empire. Like, what if I'm not? Like, what if I'm just a yeah. regular person out here like, losing my job, trying to figure yeah. out life, like, yeah. getting higher Coachella? Like, that's <laughs> right. a normal life for majority of us, and I would love to see more of that on screen. And yeah. I don't want any Tyler Perry type shit. Like, I don't no. want everything don't want just coming from his like mind. Like, the haves and the have-nots. Like, yeah. that type of stuff that's just riddled with scandal. Like, we don't need all the shows, like, how to get away with murder for black people. We don't need no more of that. Yeah, like, Insecure really was in a lane of its own. Yeah, yeah. And we just need more of that because those are a lot of our stories out there. Yeah. (laughs) And we need it from a variety of writers. That's why I brought up Tyler Perry because he doesn't have that. Like, he just has these stories coming from his own mind. It's like, nigga, first of all, you don't know everything, so... How the fuck? How are the fuck you gonna write write about black women, black men, every and everything right. in between? Like that just right. that's right. just not true. Like it's just his stuff is just riddled with stereotypes and just terrible things that should have been left in the past. Cliches. Ideas, yeah, cliches that are just yeah. like yeah, like you go through a traumatic an event, then you gotta go pray, and Jesus is gonna help you get through it. Like nah, that's not how everybody gets through life. Man. That's <laughs> right. not it. <laughs> right. Not yeah, it. or always some scandal with like somebody sleeping with somebody, and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, the neighbor sleeping with somebody, and the the who done it's and who done kill who. Yeah, just... and then he, and then he got to sprinkle in uh, one of my nieces is gay, but she don't want to come <laughs> out, and I just you know, like what the hell, man? <laughs> right, right. It's just yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. So insecure really was in a lane of its own, and really the best show out there besides Atlanta. I loved Atlanta by Donald Glover. But Ooh, yeah, I forgot about Atlanta. We don't know when that shit is coming back. So. Uh-huh. 
no, no. Don't know when the fuck that's coming, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, but besides that, like that was it. Like, yeah, it was. It. That was it. That so. was that was legit it. So, um, but moving on, um, Azalea Banks. Yes, Azalea Banks you know, out here being a bully. I don't understand. What happened was is that she was watching a video of Megan Thee Stallion's body uh, music video uh-huh. and was calling her a fatty, literally calling her a fatty, calling her fat, talking about some, oh, look at that gut and her goofy-ass friend. We're talking about Megan. And it's just like, Azalea, you know, Brie, I'm going to let you speak on it because you talk about it better than I do. Well, okay, my number one... Like, not even concerned. My number one thing about this is, like, first of all, these jokes, this fat phobia is so, so early 90s, so early 2000s. Like, right. why are you, what, what kind of, this is not even funny. Like, it's not. May, maybe if we were in 2001 where everybody was trying to be super skinny, maybe it would be like, oh, yeah, ha, ha. But no one thinks like that anymore, so how dare you, you know? And the fact that Azalea Banks was on Wild and Out Tears in her eyes because they had jokes about her ass, but now she want to go out and make jokes about other people. She is, she's literally the type of person that wants to tell the joke, but doesn't want to be the joke. Like you can't have it both ways, sweetie. Like you need to pick one. Either you going to be out here getting these jokes as well, or you need to shut the hell up forever. And she's such a cliche. She's such a cliche because of course, Azalea, is going to cry and be emotional when somebody talks shit about her ass, but then you want to call somebody who's popping right now, who's high right now, who has her natural body mm-hmm. and her natural hair, you know, um, and, and embracing that you want to talk shit about them. Like, yeah, but, but you can't take that heat when it's get coming to you. Like, yeah, such a cliche, such a goofy. And this is why Azalea Banks will forever be canceled. This is why Azalea Banks will never be able to bounce back out of this blacklist and this black ball that she's honestly perpetually in is because mm-hmm. of the negative energy that she puts out there and how she talks about other people. She dogs women. She does weird shit. Like Azalea Banks, her career is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really see her making a comeback. She's just going to c- continue to make this mindless type of content that no one really cares about like it's just kind of like this is stupid like when watching that video i was just like bro this is what y'all laugh at like this is really funny to y'all like right you're campaigning against wild and now for being anti-black but then you're the same type of person to sit here and criticize a black woman about her her natural self like how dare you like girl (laughs) shut the fuck up you and your little friend shut the hell up right right and yeah and it's just it's it's really ridiculous because Azalea Banks is talented. I really used to I used to actually really like Azalea Banks music. Yeah, a lot. I did too. Yeah, I did too. But um and now and now like she's a lost artist. Like she's done. Her yeah. career is done for because she chooses to say goofy shit like this and 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 just be and just be such a negative energy right now in yeah. the music industry and especially towards other black women. She's yeah. done. Yeah. And it just goes to show uh, her insecurities because people that just make stupid ass like purposefully I'm trying to hurt your feelings purposefully I'm trying to call you out on something that you might be insecure about that just right. goes to show how insecure you are like right. you are an artist who had the talent everybody thought you were talented and you just couldn't make it so now you want to go dog other artists that have made it, that are still natural, that are out here being successful and rapping and doing all the stuff you wish you could do. And you probably are more talented than, but you couldn't do it because of your attitude. Right. And Azalea yeah. wasn't even out here um, making hippity hop rap. She was out in a whole different lane. She had a whole different sauce. So, like, you had your own unique vibe that no one had. Thank you. Thank you. She was in a whole nother lane. She was definitely doing, like, that um, like that house-type hip-hop music. And her flow was real nice. And mm-hmm. now she's fucking done. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody wants to hear that, you know? And yeah. I definitely can't support a coonish black woman. Oh, hell no. So, Never. 
Uh-uh. Not no, doing that, no. sweetie. Not doing yeah, that. No. But um, but on to our culture topic. Um, we wanted to talk about music and drugs this week because Donna, <laughs> you also watched a documentary on the crack epidemic. Yes. Um, yes. Weekend. Yes. My weekend was full of educational documentaries. <laughs> um, low, low, low key. Yes, I was in here getting the knowledge. But no, I watched a documentary on Netflix called Crack. It's a new documentary that Netflix just dropped, I think, in 2021, too. So -hmm. it's brand spanking new. And um, it was interesting. It was interesting to see how Crack was introduced to the community, the context of how the community was at during that time, because you had a lot of poor black people. Mm-hmm. And poor people are desperate people because they're fucking poor and they're hungry. So on one end, you have an influx of money all of a sudden. On the other right. end, you have a terrible downfall of our community. And right. I just wanted to bring this up in the podcast because I thought it was interesting because during this time, you also have the birth of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of music that has to do Um, with hip-hop and them telling their stories and then we see the lasting effects on drugs and music to this day and how it affects our like the actual music that we receive and the artists so I thought that was interesting and I just wanted to bring it up a little bit Um, it's just wild to me that crack is something that our government technically introduced to us and kept perpetuating. And Mm -hmm. then they tried to shun us for it and locked us up for it. Then they saw it as a good venture. Right. Saw it as a, almost like a business venture, locking all these black folks up, disseminating their community and just destroying it in the process. And this is what we're left with. We're still left with a lot of black men incarcerated. We have, well, and, and for petty, you know, petty crimes. Right. And it was just like, it was just wild. Like one of the things they brought up was like um, how they were jelling people that had crack. So like a packet of sugar was like how much crack you had to have on you to get like 10 years in jail. And then they showed like 500 packs of sugar. And that was how much cocaine you would have to have in order to go to jail. Like, fucking wild. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Freaking That's wild. insane. Yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and, you know, and it's crazy because I never, I never realized or saw or noticed how, you know, hip hop and the crack epidemic kind of started during mm-hmm. the same time. Um, and it's so like they were birthed at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And, and I never thought of it in a way that that could be the main reason as to why it has so much influence in the hip hop community and in, in our, in music and even yeah. in black culture period, you know? And it makes me wonder, like, can music ever separate itself from, from, you know, from the culture of drugs and, mm-hmm. and the trauma of, you know, of, of how drugs affects, our community like can we ever separate music from that and just take drugs mentioning drugs out of music altogether mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't think so i think that during that time when crack was on the rise you had these kingpins that were looked at as amazing and people wanted to emulate that and be that and although we don't really have a lot of crack kingpins to this day i don't maybe maybe I don't know I'm not sure but um you it's still that it's still there it's still that air about like being the baddest person you know being a tough guy tough guy just being that nigga like Mm -hmm. you got the girls you got the money you ain't out here working for nobody you working for yourself Mm -hmm. and just that whole notion of being the bad guy is still very prevalent to this day so no I think it's here to stay and Although niggas ain't selling crack nowadays and rapping about it in their raps, the idea is still there. You know what I'm saying? Like, the idea of being that bad guy, being that nigga. I mean, it's kind of morphed into now we have drug addicts rapping, but it still comes from the same place. You know, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it still comes from that bad boy idea. Well, 
it used to be that. Now, you know, we're dealing with full-on crackheads. And full, not crackheads, but full-on drug addicts that are rapping about the drugs that they intake. So, it's a little different, but it's still all in the same home. You know? Right. What do you, what right. do you think? Do you think it's here to stay? Do you think that we can somehow morph out of this? I definitely feel like we can morph out of this with the younger generations of rappers that are coming up. Okay. Because it's like... I, I'm seeing more rappers, uh-huh. more young rappers um, who are popular with the generation below us kind of talk down on doing drugs and they're talking down on um, putting toxic things into your body and mm-hmm. following the crowd. Like, I feel like I'm noticing more rappers, young rappers openly talk about just doing better and being better and not um and not allowing peer pressure and this fake ass social media world to get into you you know to to penetrate your mind so mm-hmm. much that it just totally changes how you move and it, and it influences you and mm-hmm. so i think that we can eventually get to a point where drugs are not mentioned so much in music or hopefully we at least get to a point where drugs are not so much glorified in music you know because because my thing is is that if you are a hip-hop artist and you're talking about your reality and your life and your experiences and drugs are a part of that then cool speaking it in a way that you are just telling it and showing it as a part of your life but to Mm -hmm. glorify it and to you know to rap about it like it's something that people should be doing mm-hmm. i think is i think it's hella goofy and it's lame and it's honestly played out especially when you see you know the rappers recently and even outside of hip-hop uh, you know other musicians uh falling victim to mm-hmm. addiction like we really need to get out of that i mean you got juice world you got mac miller outside of hip-hop you got Demi lovato mm-hmm. um it, it, it's just been really bad recently. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think drugs are ever going to go away, though. Like, people have been doing drugs for centuries. So, yeah. I just, like, I want to be optimistic, but I don't really think I, it's going yeah. anywhere. I think and that's going to be... I don't think be... drugs are going anywhere either. But, but as hip-hop artists, we need to realize you don't have to talk about that for your song to be popping. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. But I... But just going back to the whole influence, I just thought it was just so interesting that that was such a major part of the culture for so long. Yeah. And I mean, you can look back and look at, I mean, Jay-Z, DMX, like all of those just bad boy images. I mean, not really mm-hmm. Jay-Z, but the nigga sold crack, so he's in it too. But like yeah, the whole yeah. I- idea of being a bad boy and just, living a rough life, living a tough life. And yeah, I grinded and hustled and all of this. I mean, 50 Cent forgot. I mean, come on. Like, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. the the level that you wanted to reach. And you wanted to be tough. You wanted to be known right. as being out in the streets and right. selling this and selling that and doing this and doing that. Like, I feel like, I feel like when it comes to drugs in the hip-hop community, mm-hmm. it... I think it's less about having a bad boy persona and Mm. more about showing that you are a survivalist and you'll do anything to take care of your family. And if you selling drugs, you doing it because you hustling and you surviving and you trying to get it how you live and you trying to get out of a space and you trying to bring your family up. I think that's how it was in the beginning. And I'm just saying in the beginning, because you know, you referenced Jay-Z 50 cent, you know, rappers, um that came out a little earlier Mm -hmm. um but i feel like these most recent rappers have been glorifying drugs and glorifying you know alcohol and mixing the two and um and it's just like i feel like that's the there's a difference and i want to get out of that wave you know yeah i mean so drugs for survival cool but like the glorifying of rap of drugs i feel like that's that's our generations. Yeah, but right. drugs are still heavily influencing the music that we hear. Right. So it's just almost like a different point of view nowadays. Like now niggas are doing, well, Future used to be the ambassador of Codeine, but that's <laughs> literal The literal ambassador for Codeine. Like I feel like Future revived Lean 
single-handedly. Like, I feel like niggas was done with lean. You know, like, I hadn't just heard about it too much until Future, like, revived the shit. Yeah, but I will say, I mean, we're two Texas natives, and Codeine has been a part of our music history for a very long time. I mean, it, it made has. a whole genre. Isn't that how Chopped and Screwed came about? Yeah, so Chopped and Screwed music, really, like, the screwed part of, well, both, but it came from trying to recreate the feeling that you got from doing lean and surf and all that. Right, right, right. And so, so and so, yeah, I mean, that's crazy as hell. Chopped and Screwed is a, is a, is an amazing genre and Codeine influenced that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Wait, but, but wait, like, let's just really just take a gander at that. Like, isn't that fucking crazy? Like, drugs literally created a genre of music. Right. I mean, drugs influence art in general, and that's yes. why, and that's why it's even weird to say this. But in reality, like drugs have, you know, really helped people create art and express art in a beautiful way. But in the same token, it's killing motherfuckers. Yeah, no, for real. Did you ever watch that one documentary on Netflix about marijuana? I don't know if I did, but I did see this documentary on Netflix about like psychedelics period and people talking about their experiences on acid and LSD and all that stuff. I love that documentary. I watched that too. And I was like, everybody has to go watch. I told this one dude I was talking to at the time, like go watch it. And he made a, a stupid joke and was like, I didn't know you like psychedelics. And I was like, no nigga, I'm just telling you like to go get informed. Like I just hate when people make stupid comments like that. But like, right. it was That's so, so interesting, man. Like, like, it just seems so interesting. Like, wow, like, ooh, scary. But it also makes you creative. It makes you think differently. And, like, I was right. so intrigued about... Clearly, some drugs take you to an alternate dimension. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's why I don't smoke. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Look, if my third eye is opening, close it. Close it. Oh, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the truth. Mm-mm. Let me remain ignorant. You one of those? Nah. If I if I was in the Matrix, I would take the peel that show that reveals to you that you in the Matrix. Can't nope, if this I'm good. Just peel. let me be happy. Just let me be happy and <laughs> let me die, and then I'll find out the truth in the end. Because we're gonna oh. find it out in the end anyway. So let me let me just remain oh. myself and just remain happy. But no, okay, I can't find the name of the documentary that talked about hip hop and weed and the influ- uh, the influence that marijuana had on just the black music genre in general and mm-hmm. it's a it's a hip-hop artist that does the commentary for this and he's like walking us through it and doing the historical background about it and um it dates all the way back until like way way back then like like i'm talking about shoot right after slavery like niggas are talking about <laughs> niggas people were talking about it and creating their art and like even the jazz era was heavily heavily influenced by marijuana like all these prominent jazz musicians are smoking and creating art so it goes hand in hand now i don't really deem marijuana and crack to be on the same level but it's a drug. They're, they're both in the drug category. and Yeah. And marijuana is natural, people. If you're doing it right. Yeah. Marijuana yeah. is grown naturally out the ground. Crack is all types of chemicals. You got to cook and all of that shit. Mar- God created marijuana. He didn't create crack. Yes. That's man-made. Okay. <laughs> the, the documentary is called Grass is Greener. And mm-hmm. Fab Five Freddy is oh. the uh, rapper who I think... I don't know if he produced it, but he had a hand in making this documentary. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I interesting. I'm going to have to take a look at that. Yeah, I'm going to take, take a look, look at that for sure. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, the influence that drugs have on the hip-hop community is crazy. And mm-hmm. I don't want to erase history or rewrite it. I just want us in the future to maybe approach it in a different way. So that way people aren't being influenced to use drugs through our music. You know, like I'm not saying that everybody has, every artist, rapper has to be a role model, but Mm. some shit you just don't perpetuate. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, like if you're not perpetuating rape in your music, like, I feel like that's a standard. Like people know, like 
some things I shouldn't talk about in music, and rape is one of them. Like, I shouldn't yeah. be talking about raping a woman in my music. So why right. can't we do the same thing when it comes to drugs that could put that people are ODing on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? That's true. You know what I'm saying? Good. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Okay, so do you have any uh, new music that you've been listening to or anything that you've been hearing? Yeah, yeah. So... Sort of. So recently I put out a new playlist. Yes, that's called... I need to take a listen to it. I saw it and I'm taking a listen. Yes, yes. It's called Fresh Vibes. Mm-hmm. And all that music on there is all the new music that I've been listening to. So I don't really have like a song of the week, but I have a playlist of the week and it's my very own playlist. It's my first playlist of the year. So I was very excited to uh, put it out and, you know, share my vibes with others. So yes, that's yes. my that's my music of the week. What about what, you? What's the well? Quick question though. What's the genre of music that you have in your fresh vibes? Like, give us some artists and some songs that oh. you know, give us oh. a sneak peek. Oh, I didn't know we wanted details. Okay, so yeah, so I um, it's like a it's like a playlist that you can smoke your marijuanas to. Okay, that okay. you the marijuanas. You know, the marijuana multiple buds um, <laughs> or like if you just chilling it's a chill playlist a lot it's it's r&b heavy melodic mm-hmm. heavy um some of the artists in here are like mick jenkins i put baby rose in there okay um uh, oh so you gave baby rose a listen yeah uh i like some of her stuff uh division okay. Roe jane i know you don't like Roe james give I like um, Ro James. I just don't like all like his whole all like all of his music, but I like Ro James. Right, uh, Xavier <laughs> Omar. Yes, and yes. some just newer artists that are putting out music that uh, a lot of people wouldn't really know. I don't think so. It's a very chill playlist. Very, uh, it ain't heavy on the hip hop, ain't heavy on the drugs and the cussing and stuff. It's about mostly love and vibes. Okay, so. I like that. That's my type of playlist because that's basically what I listen to. Basically all the time. Yeah, you're gonna um, love it. Yeah, I really don't have any songs of the week, mm-hmm. um, but I will say this week I've been in the mood for like Houston music, Ooh. and not just Houston music, like music that I grew up listening to when like me and my friends would go to Lockwood Skate Ring to go skating and shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I've been really in that bag and. I found this playlist on YouTube that basically has all the music that I grew up to in our region. So I've been listening to some old Lil Kiki, some old Ooh. Fat Pat. I've been listening to, to some old UGK, mm. to some old Big Mo. Uh, I even been listening to some old Master P. Like, uh, yeah, like I've been really in that 90s dirty south bag like you know like Mm -hmm. not the atlanta south but like the texas louisiana south type of 90s my favorite type of south honestly yeah the best south in my opinion right Um, the best south and right right what is what are your all-time favorite songs from texas it's still tipping still tipping with yeah, Still Tipping is like, that's a Houston classic with Mike mm-hmm. Jones, Slim Thug, Paul mm-hmm. Wall. It's a it's a Houston classic, and I feel like there's not a single person that I know that if you play that song, that it's not, people not going to rap it out in the club. Um, yeah. or, maybe, or maybe I'm just, a, you know, an old fan. But Still Tipping, I feel like there's so many. Uh, oh, uh, Fat Pat. I'm chilling with my broad and you, and you already, already know. know. I was going to say that yes. song too for me. I love that and song. If you want to reach me, hit me on the down, down low. low. Like that's a, Don't call back. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Like that's a classic. Um, mm-hmm. Bar Baby is a classic. Of course. Uh, what's another classic? Um, uh, well, I was at the club, club one night. night. Yeah. 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 Man, look at us, Texas World. One of mine that makes me always reminisce, my dad used to play it a lot, but he would play like the Chopper Screw version is Knocking Pictures Off the Wall. Do you know that song? Beat one down is, your block and knocking pictures, pictures off, off your wall. Yes, that one. Okay. Wait, that's... wait, is it? Maybe you did say the right lyric. Maybe that's the first top top of the yeah, lyric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the top of the lyric. Yes. yes that's one yes. of my favorites. That's a that's a Houston classic. 
For sure. Yeah, it makes me reminisce. Like, my dad used to go to Houston all the time. Like, I'm from Austin, but Austin is closer to Houston than Dallas. So, Mm -hmm. honestly, everything that Houston grew up with, Austin did as well. Yeah. Because it's literally a two-hour, an hour-and-a-half drive away. So, right. Niggas are one and the same there. So everything that you know, I know. <laughs> Love. Right. So, so that is what I've been on lately. Just I've been really missing Houston music, and I've been listening to it every day. I love it. I love it. Sometimes you got to reminisce. Sometimes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So, but that's it for us this week. Yes, that's it. We will see y'all. Oh, I've been noticing we've been getting some more comments, you know. Thank y'all for leaving those comments, those that do, you know, yes. continue to, you know, leave us some, some, some here and there, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we read them. We Thank read them. A little, a little engagement. We appreciate it. Yes, we love it. We love it because that means that we're doing our job and keeping y'all entertained and informed, I guess. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we thank y'all for rocking with us and listening to Run That Back with Sin and Donna. Once again, my name is Sinclair. And my name is Donna Canella, and we will see y'all next episode. Peace. Be easy.